Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Hello again. Uh, This is episode three of three in which I got to catch up with a panel of Malawians from the USA, UK, Germany, Swaziland and Malawi across the different fields of expertise. Again, talking about all things mental health, including the cultural differences, the definitions, policy understandings and the challenges facing the government and our people in understanding the extent of the problem uh, in Malawi and across the developing world. So this is the concluding part of very interesting conversation. So without further ado, again, the panel taking the topic away. Like I said, I think earlier on is understanding the ingredient of mental health in the context of the whole human being. Okay. Sometimes we try to compartmentalize people like, oh, this person is this is a physical thing. This is an emotional thing. This is a mental thing. They all play a part in it, right? So, for example, um, so for example, I went through a traumatic situation, right? So you had a trauma that happened, and the 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 chemical reaction that happened in that affected the brain. It affected my ability to sleep, my ability to eat all those kind of different things. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden now I'm experiencing physical stuff. Does that make sense? And the more I experience that physical stuff, it's a feedback loop, right? The more I experience the physical stuff, it's added to the mental health distress. And the more I experience the mental health distress, it kept adding to the physical stuff and just kept going back and forth. Does that make sense? So when we're looking at... Um, so when you're looking at a whole person, a person is made of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And spiritual doesn't mean religion or anything like that. It's just this greater connection we have outside of ourselves, right? And so if you try to compartmentalize those things, then you're missing information of how to really get somebody to, to really be healthy. The there are many research, there's a lot of research out there where it has shown that, for example, even in cancer patients, right, like having a positive attitude, right, which will produce serotonin and endorphins, right, has an impact on how someone will really progress in their treatment, right? Does that mean that it will cure them? Who's to say? But it does impact, does that make sense? For example, mental health. We know that with mental health, the the number one indicator of how someone is going to do is the structure around it. I think Brenda can talk about this. She talked about the other day having support, right? Uh, Not having support or the right type of support can make something that is already difficult more difficult, right? I'm going through cancer. I could tell you it would be much more difficult to have a positive attitude if I didn't have the right type of support around me. So they all relate to each other. So if someone is um, is sick, is mentally ill, 
we want to uh, assess that the you know sometimes somebody just doing we we know the placebo effect does that make sense mm. right yeah. like sometimes like you know i remember this there used to be my mother used to own a store in 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 Gulundi where the farm is right and there used to be this traditional healer that would come in and would buy a bunch of panado right from my mother's store and grind it in his herbs and that's what he would give mm-hmm. to, to to people right and for most people, I'm sure there was a placebo effect. The fact that they're doing something, right? It gives people a feeling that they are, they're doing something, you know? And so if people want to pray and, and, and do that and, and it helps them, great. What we are looking at is whatever it is, right? I did acupuncture. I did all those things. I do, you know, Qigong and yoga and things like that. What we should not be quick to do is to take away those things. We're just trying to make sure that are they positive, right? Are they adding a positive, like, you know, when I do Qigong, who knows if it works, but I could tell you that in that moment when I'm doing that physically, I am, I'm producing more endorphins, more, more serotonin. I feel calmer. I feel more energetic. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, yeah. if, if I was doing it and it was making me more agitated and things like that, and it's taking away from my treatment, that's when we start to look at these things. Are they, are they helpful or not helpful, right? So for me, when my clients are coming in and they're saying, you know what, I'm treating my depression with, um, of course, I talk about medication if it's, it's relevant, but they're like, you know what? I'm doing yoga and I'm also eating right. We know all those things impact things. Diet impacts, you know, uh, depression and things. I think Brenda talked about it, you know, enough sleep, you know, all those different things. Um, if it's positively impacting that, why would I take it away, right? If it's negatively impacting, somebody comes to mm-hmm. me and I'm an addiction therapist and they're like, well, I'm depressed and I've been drinking every day. Now, that particular thing is not going to be helpful to you because alcohol is a depressant and you're taking your medication there, right? That's not medical compliance and things like that. Now, that particular solution that you're doing is not very helpful to that, right? And so we we cannot, instead of really judging things as good or bad, helpful, not helpful, is really looking at things in context, right? Mm. If somebody helps them, Great. If somebody praying, but they're not going to the doctor and, and doing everything that they possibly could, then that's not helpful. Right. Mm-hmm. And so looking at things, are they helpful? Are they adding things or are they taking away things? And if they are, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Dalit. I think Brenda has got something to add on that. So take it away, Brenda. Thank you. Um, it's really always very interesting to, to hear these um uh, views, particularly from experts and people that deal with it on a day-to-day basis. I wanted to go just slightly over to the cultural aspect and the stigma. So if we go to Malawi, what was the population at the last count? 19 million. And mm-hmm. of those 19 million, not everybody will be a city dweller. Not everybody will be, if we look at the bell curve, the, the, the normal day-to-day life. Uh, people that have uh, you know, they, they they have a field, they they go farm, they get their maize, and life goes on. They try and send their kids to school. So if we take away the really high end of the spectrum and the really low end of the spectrum, we've got a middle a middle class, if you like. 
And that's the area that I think we need to tackle because th th that's where it's going to make a difference. So if we look at all the extremes, it's all fair and good. If you've got all the resources and you've got the money and you've got the time and you've got, you know, you've got the people that help you around the house, you've got time to take care of your mental health and your family's mental health. If you look at the other extreme, uh, which also does need attention, where people basically haven't got the capacity to think beyond my empty stomach, then it's pointless throwing all that, not pointless per se, but you won't get as much a return if you throw all the resources at those guys. I want us to focus on having that conversation with the middle ground because they're the guys that have got food in their belly and they can see the potential of moving on and what the impact would be for having a good mental health status. So culturally, those people are, I believe, more pliable than either of those ends. And people can move from this state to that state where you're starting in the middle and you do really well and you go into the elites or you can go from the middle and something really bad happens. You might have a, a, a psychosis, you might have a mental breakdown or you can have an accident. Something happens and you could end in this cycle. And once we start to have those conversations and remove the stigma to say, look, there's a big chunk of us. I don't know, 80 percent, 90 percent. There's a big chunk of us all in the same boat or trying to get by. And these things happen regardless of whether you're educated, not educated. Uh, you've been abroad. You live in the city. You live in the village. It's actually not even generally about happiness because happiness is I can be really happy in my depressed state. <laughs> I'm still very depressed, but I could be happy for a few minutes and I could be happy for uh, for, for an hour, two hours a day. That That's not really a gauge of where we need to look at for mental health illness. We need to be having those conversations that much in the same way diabetes is dealt with um, and the stigma needs to, to go. We have a lot of stigma in our country over the the most insignificant things and it's quite life limiting. And look at HIV and AIDS. Look how long that took and it's still the case now. And it's because everybody whispers in the back of, oh, you know, she's put on weight. Oh, she's lost loads of weight. Oh, you know, he's always ill. And it's always that whispering in the background. And because everybody does it, nobody wants to be the one that the other people are talking about. And again, I'll go back to actually owning the power. If more people took ownership of their state and their health status and said, this is me and this is how I am. And this is how I'm showing you what I can do. I can show you my potential I'm capable of doing. It becomes irrelevant. You know, people know about my situation and then very quickly forget about oh, actually, she's poorly, <laughs> you know, she, she's on medication. Uh, and people are like, oh, she's so fun, she gets on. But you've got to remember that I've had to take ownership of that and really had mm -hmm. to step up and block out noises. So well, stigma has a big part to play. But I think that if we can focus on the conversation, saying, well, why do you believe this and why? Because that, that's the group that's going to change the direction in which the country goes. Let's mm. add one thing to, to that, and I think this is connects with Linda as well. Like I've worked with people, I've worked with children. I do work with children all the way to, to grown-ups, right? And a lot of the stuff that our, our mental development is really that childhood period, right? It's, it, a lot happens then, right? And I think having been raised in Malawi, having been affected by how I grew up, in, in my mental development as much as in my physical development and having and, and, and having adopted a 60 I adopted a 16 year old from Malawi and also having a child here and seeing how I I consciously 
um, impacting their mental development based on how they're raising them and raising children who are mentally healthy, right? Because with the mental health, you you have a mental, you have a you have a, a healthier child, right? Having a child who's able, I think somebody talked about it, having a child who's able to tell me what they're feeling, right? Without the fear that they're going to be whacked on their face. Like, I mean, my daughter is able to tell me things that if I couldn't even have a thought. I believe my mother would have reached inside my head and whacked me for having it. That does not make sense. So, like, having, having my children being able to tell me what they're feeling, telling me that they're angry at me, you know, having to solve those problems differently. Um, and seeing at six, and I see myself, I'm like, oh my goodness, at six, I probably was thinking that. At six, I probably was feeling that, but I was like oblivious to it, right? And so I think teachers, I think I liked what Brenda's talking about, like the conversation needs to have, the, the people who are going to affect both ends are going to be people in the middle, but also I think children, right? I think educating children. I have nieces and nephews who are able to tell me what they're thinking and feeling because they're given the space to do that. So they're developing with a mental, healthier mental health abilities than I probably did, right? And uh, I think that's another group. I think if we can, not only should we affect these people, but also touching like children, right? And educating children and being able to give them the spaces to be able to do that. I think we can start raising a generation, I think, in, in Malawi and in African countries where you can speak your mind, you can share where you are, you're getting to be more what we call, just like how we develop language, right? Becoming more emotionally literate, right? And that's really, really important, right? Like how do we help children when they see you know, like my daughter will come to me and be like, oh, mom, you know, so-and-so was crying in class. Okay, what did you do, right? Oh, I, I held their hand instead of laughing at them. You know, like there's so many things in Malawi we do. You laugh at someone because they're crying or, you know, those kind of things really impact children, right? So mm -hmm. I think raising, as we gain understanding, raising children um, that have emotional, uh, emotional mental health, I think is going to really make this movement because I think something earlier. Sometimes adults are very stubborn; we don't like change, right? And children are really resilient, and 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 if if they're already starting from that background, um, it's easier for them than if if we mm. try to have always these conversations with mm. people who are stubborn, like you know, Doctor Nyaka. You know how doctors are when you give them titles; they don't want to listen to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks, Dalitka. Now, Pamela, you've got something to say. Uh, yes, I do have something to say. I'm just looking at um, what we've been talking about, uh, the cultural background from Malawi and uh, and all. It just got me thinking that, you know, all this panel which is here, you've got a lot of educated people, doctors and uh, therapists and whatnot. We are all coming from the same background from Malawi. So if we managed to be in this podium at this moment, I guess um, the chances that a Malawian child and a Malawian person can also learn and get out of the situation which they're into and get exposed to the information which we have right now is possible. 
I'm looking in the sense that um, nowadays there's um, internet, there's a way of learning, and also other ways, like we have uh, ex-presidents of the medical society. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I, as I was reading um, some of the things, you can see that um, mental health has been incorporated in the Malawi um, Ministry of Health now. It's uh, looked upon as something which we really need to pay attention mm -hmm. into. So I think um, there's a lot of positivity which is coming out, uh, out from there. Even the fact that we had this uh, panel to talk about this, I have mm -hmm. uh, been edu educated in a lot of ways which uh, I never even looked at. And whenever one of our panelists would speak up, like, yeah, I never even thought mm -hmm. of that, you see. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been good. It's a, a, a good uh, start. And I hope... Um, we can see that we have, um, like Dalito, she's here. She's able to be opened up. When we can get people to talk about it, even contact her, ask questions. This is the beginning of a, a, a big and good thing that we've started talking mm -hmm. about. It. I was even looking at um, um, Michael, uh, Dr. Michael, who, who was here pre uh, previously. Those are the people who are working in the front lines of um, mm -hmm. this um, uh, uh, Minister of Health in Malawi and Dr. Nyaka here, uh, Linda, who are in the education part of uh, teaching our children. You know, all these things um, can also help uh, in Malawi as a country. So moving forward, there's a lot which has been discussed, but I think it will mean nothing if it is just a discussion and nothing is done about it. So um, I'm not so sure as to what else can be, but I look upon this as a beginning of um, mm. a new chapter, a, 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 mm. a new interest, you see. Um, and it's something mm. which we can read more, we can explore more and open our eyes, you see. Um, when you talk about um, opportunities in life, there are some things if you don't uh, align yourself into them, you don't see them. But uh, I, I remember one time when I was pregnant with one of my kids, everybody was pregnant. And then they said, no, it's not like everybody is pregnant. It's just because now you're attentive to pregnancy because it's happening to you. So now you tend to see people. But these people have always been like that. And people would see them, the ones who were pregnant. But it, it wasn't something which I would care about. But now that I, we have talked about this for a length of time, I'm much more attentive to the surrounding and even to my own state of mind as a person and looking at my own patterns as in life, as in my cycles and in everything, that am I okay or do I need help or do I, how does it go as a person? So I feel personally that this has been very eye-opening, very eye-opening. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Pam. Uh, I think as we are uh, winding down, I just want to come uh, to uh, uh, Linda and Dr. Nyaka. Yeah, uh, just uh, touching upon uh, again what has been uh, mentioned before about, uh, you know, the um, this uh, uh, difference in uh, uh, understanding in, in terms of where uh, people or nations are. Uh, so if you take uh, uh, yourself, for example, your understanding from a, a medical point of view uh, or educational point of view of mental illness compared to the uh, people in the villages, for example, who might not understand it in the same way, there is uh, probably you would agree 
a bit of a gap, yeah? And uh, depending on how big that gap is, yeah, sometimes uh, it, it, it can be a generational uh, thing for the change to take effect uh, in, in, in a country. But uh, um, we talk about starting the conversations, yeah? And sometimes, you know, the people, if you look at the people who have uh, made differences in history, the likes of uh, uh, Martin Luther King, for example, uh, people who have started on the message, but they never actually got to live to see the effects of it. So I just wanted to grasp uh, your take on um, starting these conversations and highlighting these issues in Malawi and gradually uh, getting the education going because a lot of people in the villages, whether you know they are pretty much strung on the beliefs of the traditional ways, the singing and all that, will take time to grasp and be educated uh, in the in the normal conventional way. So the conversation has to go on. What is what is your your take on that on on those differences, the gap that exists, and what can be done to to sort of bring people up, if at all, you know, pass the message on, even though. You may not see the effects, or you know, the effects will come after a generation, even. But at least the conversation have to be gone. Just give us uh, your take on on those uh, differences, please. Start with you, Dr. Nyaka. Okay, thank you, Alex. It's a very difficult question, but uh, let me see how I can handle it. Uh, I think my thinking is that the the differences that are there between countries and even communities. Uh, are not necessarily intrinsically in the people in those areas, in those places. But I think it's, it's the context in which they are. I think others have probably described it. Uh, that um, uh, the context actually uh, gives you insight in terms of whether the person is thinking normally within that context or, or, or not. Uh, now, coming back to the issues on the differences between communities on how they perceive mental health issues and explain them, I think it hinges on, the, on their ability to explain them. Uh, I think I think it, I can I can borrow what um, what my colleague has uh, always and eloquently uh, defined witchcraft. He considers witchcraft as a as a as a, a poor on, okay an educated person's explanation of things that he cannot understand. Now, um, that already tells you uh, uh, the context in which they are. It doesn't mean that they're stupid or they're primitive, no. Uh, but the context or the, the environment in which they, they live, they can only explain the yeah. things that, that, that they are in the way that... So witchcraft is quite a, a good card. It's like a joker that can explain anything that people do not understand. So if you, you've fallen from a tree and broken your leg, they say you've been bewitched. But this is, you can have another alternative explanation for that. Now, uh, I wanted to, um, uh, to now repeat that uh, I don't think that the differences between the West and the East and Africa, perhaps, uh, is not um, in the differences in the people per, per se, but it is their environment, how they explain how they approach mental health and so on and so forth. Now, coming back um, to our, um, uh, our, uh, our country and um, linking to what uh, my colleague had already told me, uh, he, I mean, uh, Dr. Michael uh, Udedi, 
uh, he considers um, our biggest challenge uh, in handling and uh, uh, handling mental health issues in, in Malawi and perhaps also in countries like us is essential on resources. I think we have few people uh, uh, to work. Uh, we have few facilities from where people can can access uh, mental health issues, and um, and the, and the, the burden of it all is that our people are not educated uh, in the in the in the in the ma- in the manner that they would be able to understand mental health issues, and they do not respond appropriately appropriately in terms of seeking for for help. So that's that's one of the issues that they are there now. Even um, even within the health system, I think that the challenge that we have is uh, is on how to integrate mental health issues or mental health services in the routine uh, services that are there uh, in our in our health facilities. But that speaks or is linked uh, to the human resource capacity, uh, not necessarily the willingness. Because I think in terms of willingness, of government we have. Uh, you know, mental health is spelled out in the essential health package. Uh, but when it comes now to uh, service provision, we have um, uh, uh, those challenges. And I think in, uh, in order to, and this is what uh, Pamela has uh, said, uh, in order to, uh, to now be active, I think we, uh, we can work on, you know, ensuring that the information about mental health is, you know, is articulated in our, in our context. But that would also need other key players, including even Minister of Health. How do they improve literacy levels so that people be able to see things differently, and hence uh, also even impact on the way how they they, they seek it out. I think, that, I think those are those are the, the issues. Now, I would want to also reveal one of my other bio that I did not um, uh, reveal. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I have. Been, I mean, I'm part of a team of medical doctors, uh, and of course also other 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 professionals uh, that we want to be explaining all uh, violence related to uh, witchcraft and offer an alternative explanation as to what exactly happened. So that over over time we are able to uh, give explanations that no, this is not witchcraft. We think that this is this this is the cause, and if we don't have an immediate response. Then we offer uh, uh, those persons to relevant health professionals. They do the assessments mm-hmm. and then start treatments and so on and so forth. Because um, mm-hmm. most of the people that are lynched or, or burned or what, it's, it's it's just because how people perceive the differences that those people have uh, to them, and then mm-hmm. hence they destigmatize them and uh, and uh, and uh, and they treat them otherwise. I think I think um, that would be perhaps my last. Uh, uh, contributions to, to this. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a very insightful. I, I was I, I was holding on for a sec there that you are going to reveal that you are a singer as well. So it was a bit of a disappointment, but anyway, here we are. I, 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 I think I I, I wouldn't do very well if if I were. But um, okay, let me let me. Let me also comment on what Brenda had said. You see, Brenda had said, look, when we grew up in Malawi, I mean, uh, there were so many beliefs that we hold. And then when you go to other environments, all that seems to just disappear, uh, just like that. Uh, I, I would like um, uh, to, because then this is what we also consider as health professionals, what we lack. I think if you are to go to a, a traditional healer or a witchcraft, you know these mm-hmm. people have the soft skills that other professions don't have. 
you know they would mm-hmm. welcome you yeah. in such a way that's all comforting if you have um, a mental health issue they will try to explain it in their own ways and when one you know when you have such kind of discussions it can be comforting it can also in a way contribute your 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 getting better so there would be incident instances where people go to the witch doctors or the traditional healers they get these soft skills that um uh, we we don't have and and uh, that that would be in, in a way like you're offering psychotherapy uh, to, to your yeah. clients and then, then the subsequent visits that they come you know they come down and so on and so forth and then this this offer an explanation you see that yeah. these people now don't do that and then they'll be told what to do and what not to do and they would, they would do that somehow it perhaps in a way reset them start behaving normal of course it may come back and so on but for conditions conditions that um that are um that hinge on psychosis perhaps you know the thinking uh abnormalities how people relate uh, to their emotions and also how they relate to the external um uh, environment i think may, perhaps these 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 treatment modalities may may not work of course they may work in some instances but they perhaps mm. may not work, such that they would perhaps need uh, more, uh, more uh, uh, conventional treatment. However, I must admit that I'm biased because I have not really studied the uh, the effects of uh, traditional medicine on mental health, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't think that I can quickly you know uh, blame them or say no that your practice is bad. I think we need to have evidence, uh, mm-hmm. generate evidence for what they do, and see whether. It works or it doesn't work. Uh, it's not just mm-hmm. things that come in Africa or in Malawi in particular are uh, useless and uh, 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 they can't work. I mean, some would work. I think I think I would like to also mention that there's a, an institution within College of Medicine that is studying a traditional medicine and see which mm-hmm. ones work, uh, which ones do not work, what evidence we have for for what. I think I think that's a, that's an interesting uh, development that we have. Uh, we should be able to also help mm-hmm. or complement the care that we have and offer but in that context would you would you accept faith or just belief as an explanation or would you be looking for evidence-based like you know if you see something you can't explain scientifically or whatever as medical professionals i i take it that uh, just believing or faith or them just telling you that this is it this is museum or something would not be an acceptable explanation. I, I, okay, you are asking a very specific question <laughs> about whether faith would heal uh, something. I think, I think it, it would depend on the, on the, uh, on the state, perhaps. Um, hmm. uh, I can give you, I can give you an, an example that I feel there's a river that has crocodiles and you want to cross it. Uh, I mean, for you to have that energy and the conviction to move, uh, you perhaps need someone else to talk to you, uh, and uh, perhaps by chance you can you can cross over. But to yeah. say that just by talking to someone else, then they can fly or they can do X Y Z, perhaps that would be an uh, overrating the potential effect of what faith has. Uh, okay. But I think I know Pamela perhaps would come in and uh, give a perspective to religious faith. But I was just talking about faith in general. But but then that that's that's where the faith breaks, yeah. Because at the point or as soon as you have that littlest of doubt, yeah, that's when everything breaks down, yeah. 
So even with the flying, yeah, just believe. Don't even have the slightest of doubt. Yeah? Just believe it's going to happen. Then it's going to happen. But you are already expressing a view. Ah, but if you no no no, I don't, I don't, no, no, no that, that that one, please accept that you are just overstretching the, the, the if. I mean, I mean, it has to be within the context of where no, we are. No, no. And then, then, that then, then, then that's not physics. your faith at all. It's <laughs> physics. So now, anyway, we may have to refer you to Dalisa. <laughs> now you're saying. <laughs> I'll make an appointment for you, Alex. Put it on my on my schedule. Socially distance, please. Okay. I do I do Zoom sessions. Brenda, you you're next. That. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I have the faith. I have the belief. Yeah. Perhaps I'll even fly to you. You know. You but know. you know, you know what, what? I think what I've seen with faith and spirituality, right? It's again going back to to the physical, right? So the way I explain it is like you have the brain, and then you have the the mental. Okay, the mental is in the brain. So the best way I explain it, like not far from my office, is this factory that makes bread, right? Mm-hmm. And this factory, it was perfectly engineered that they have all the machines that you know they, they churn the bread and they do this and that bake the bread and they slice the bread and, and it's this streamlined process. Does that make sense? However, you have to have these workers that come in at five o'clock in the morning. And these workers are the ones that decide what flour they're going to use. Are they going to use real organic butter or fake butter or whatever it is, right? Like the machines are not going to make those decisions. And the way I explain to people is your mental, it's like those workers, right? The thoughts you have, how you think about things and is it in a healthy process or is it in a distorted way, right? If if somebody can create these machines for me to make this bread and then I come in at five o'clock in the morning and I put in flour and then I put in dirt and then I put in eggs and then I throw in some eggshells, it's going to produce a certain type of a bread. Does that make sense? But if I come in again and I'm putting the right things, the right eggs, the right things, but my machines somehow they're old and they're not functioning well. Again, I'm not going to produce the right bread, right? You have to have both ends. The machines have to work well. And my decisions as a baker, putting the right ingredients at the right time also is a big part of it. And that's going to produce this in a product, right? So mentally, if my thinking is distorted, maybe because of trauma, right? Or whatever it is. And then that's affecting certain hormones that are maybe they're already impacting the way my brain is wired, for example, right? It's going to produce a certain outcome. So how we think around something, how we process something, right? Uh, So here's an example. So I went through a traumatic experience, right? So my thinking around safety, around men, right? For example, my belief that men are not safe, right? Was, was a process. So somebody would come in, a man would come in and touch me on my, on my back, right? My brain is already in the process where it's PTSD brain. I, I react like this, certain sounds, certain things like that. I go into fight or flight. Does that make sense? Hmm. The way I would think about men would impact, my brain would be like, 
Yeah, I just walked in the room. My brain, without even thinking much, would be like, male, my brain is already fight or flight, producing adrenaline. And already, even though I know Emma is like a safe person, has never attacked me, I'm already experiencing him as, as an unsafe mm-hmm. person, right? So the treatment, for example, not only did I have to take certain medicines to calm my brain down, right? But I also had to work on challenging those thoughts, right, mm-hmm. to help my brain also heal. So it was a two-part series. So when things like faith come in, you know, the way you think about stuff, positive things, can impact what's happening, what's happening with the brain. So somebody comes in and they say, you know what, um, I'm so I've seen people who have, I think you have heard the term um, self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? Mm-hmm. So somebody comes in and they're like, I'm going to fail the exam. I'm going to fail the exam. I'm going to fail the exam. Right. And yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that series of your, your heart rate starts to beat up. And when your adrenaline mm-hmm. is shooting, you can't think right. And then when you mm-hmm. can't think right, you can't retrieve the information you studied and you can't retrieve yeah. the information you, and it just becomes the loop, Right. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes in and they're like, I think I started well, I'm going to do well. The, when you're producing positive hormones, serotonin and things like that, it's easier to retrieve certain information. You're calmer. Does that make sense? And then all of a sudden you're producing better. So mm. all this stuff is connected. So when we're talking mm. about faith and what we believe, again, does it add positive or does it mm-hmm. add fear and anxiety? It becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy because prophecy. it does affect other things and then where can I get it stuck? Does That's that a br- brilliant way of putting it. Thanks for that, Talitza. <laughs> I'll bring in uh, Linda for the last word. Linda, anything you want to say um, around uh, oh, let's see, is Linda disappearing? Uh, and it looks like uh, uh, while uh, she's uh, getting on. Hi, Linda. Thank you, Alex, for the discussion and to everybody. Uh, my last words, I just want to say I believe that charity begins at home mm-hmm. and uh, mental illness is real. And um, if we have the support from our families, because they are the ones that actually uh, give us the first steps into the beliefs that we meet into the society. That's where, uh, if, even if we say we're coming from different environments or we, are, we grew up in different environments, but the family is where we, we, we grow up, we grew up and that's where we, 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 we get to, we get to learn uh, anything that, that makes up who we are. It's from the family. So if we have the support from our families, then we'll be able to, to, to mentor ourselves and mentor our children to, 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 to be able to support each other mentally and also to support each other on the beliefs and uh, actually even uh, um, anything that actually affects us will first of all start from the family. So if we have, um, if we have a, a family that is broken, we can actually, as a teacher, I am able to tell from the students that I am teaching that these children, they need this kind of support because they, are, they do not have a belonging. They don't have a sense of belonging. And because mm. of that, um, 
even the, the, the beliefs that we have of Wasinanga, you know, of witch doctors and everything, it all comes from the family. So what is our, how are we raising our children? If you want to make a difference in the next generation, it has to be us taking the, the, the first step to teach our children the right things and to support the, 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 our children into supporting others so that um, if we are to, to, to actually be proud to look back to say, okay, so this is the generation that we have raised. What type of a generation have we taught um, and what kind of um, beliefs have we taught our children? Mm-hmm. It, whether it is a spiritual, whether it is uh, whatever, from whatever the discussion, you should know that we are the authors of that kind of, uh, of a generation. Thank you so much. I think I'm breaking my network is kind of acting up, but I think that is the, the, the last thing I wanted to add to say we should check ourselves first so that we should be able to mentor our children into something mm-hmm. that will actually do this and so that we can have we can we can bring a cut to to the issues mm-hmm. that we are facing right now. Even if the government will come in to say, okay, let's accept yeah, mental health um as an ill as a as a as in as illness and let's put these measures but it will mean nothing if we ourselves are not able to to give the support Mm. thank you very much linda that's uh you know very uh you know good final thoughts there uh to to the discussion so uh, as we are wrapping up i've just uh, got a uh a note from michael uh michael daddy from the uh uh, minister of health who uh, we had a bit of uh, uh, technical uh, issues uh, uh, getting on to him. So I'll just read out what uh, uh, part of uh, his contribution was. So he's saying here, you know, please note that uh, as a low-income country like most African countries, the main challenges in mental health services are limited human resources for uh, mental health, uh, low mental health literacy. Thus, most people don't differentiate between mental health and mental illness. Um, they don't really understand the causes of mental illness, which contribute to the stigma as well as pure poor health uh, seeking behavior. So um, the other area is inadequate integration of mental health services in other general health services, which lead to poor access to mental health services and financing of mental health services is also a crucial aspect. Uh, he finishes off by saying, the stigma starts when we attach the condition to the person like um, like a uh, wamisala uh, or someone is crazy, instead of saying, Oduala matenda amisala, or someone who is uh, uh, you know, ill from uh, uh, mental illness. If most people become mental health literate, uh, then access to mental health services will improve and also the stigma and dis- discrimination will decrease. So I just wanted to read that out uh, from him. So it begins to just give us a, a, a sense of uh, uh, the challenges that these guys from the Minister of Health are facing as well in dealing with these issues in Malawi. So um, I think unless uh, anyone else has got uh, any final thoughts, uh, Pamela Dalitso, uh, anything else that you want to finish off with before we end the broadcast? Yes, um, for me, uh, I have still got a lot of things to say, but I see that mm-hmm. the time is all gone. 
Uh, as you were reading what uh, Dr. Michael was saying, it just reminded me of uh, the mental health thing, which is saying that Odwara Misara, I mean, a person suffering from um, mental illness and um, a, a crazy person, uh, mm. the difference of it all. I've seen that uh, it, it, also the stigma comes from people looking at the person when uh, they're manifesting the illness. Some people become violent, some people become a certain way of doing things, and maybe they're not aware of themselves. And once they get treatment, whatever happened during that time they're having a, a, an episode, if I can use that word, um, is attached to them for life. So it's like um, because they look at what happens to them when this thing happens, they're saying, because maybe they run around, maybe they speak things which are not right, maybe they take mm -hmm. off their clothes, I don't know, anything which happens to them. So um, I think when it comes to people um, having a mental illness, we really need to be also conscious, of, uh, uh, not only to ourselves, but of our, our surrounding. Be aware of people who are closest to you, your spouses, your children, mm -hmm. your um, the relatives which are close by, maybe even your colleagues at work, because some people they don't they do not know that they're having the mental um, illness. Because um, there's a saying um, in Chichewa which says "Wamisasa meaning that when you are crazy, you don't know. You think that the other people are the ones who are crazy, but I mean that feeling comes to everybody else. When someone is acting different from you, you think they are crazy. Who knows who's who? You see, so it needs you to um, look at yourself, um, get help. And then if you see someone else who's manifesting those funny, funny uh, things according to you, then you'll find a way of either talking to them or finding a way of um, going about it. I don't know, whatever measures you have in your organization, society and anything else. Because at the end of the day, all of us act uh, a, a way different from other people. Like for me, I like eating avocado with sugar. A lot of people find it very weird. Most people like avo like it is. Others put salt in it, but I like it sugar. All the places when I'm putting sugar on avo, everyone just goes, ah, what are you doing? You don't put sugar, but that's normal for me. You see? So those are the things which I'm trying to say, that the, the things which I'm trying to say that it's difficult and let's help one another. Uh, into all this. That's mm -hmm. my final take. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pamela. Dalitso, last word. Last word. Um, well, I think I, I think two things. It's just hope, right? I think sometimes, I think Pamela talked about this, I think, so eloquently a few minutes ago. It's that we can, when we talk about how big this thing is, right, you can feel very hopeless. Like, oh my goodness, when do we start, right? Like, it's so daunting. Um, but I think we have to have hope. I think those that you're going to we have all come a long way from our K-8 days and all we yeah. about is going to the Appian Way and see who I can kiss that day or whatever it is, <laughs> or not, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, everybody, I think if we just take it from this big thing and just each one of us has our own, some is financial stuff, but we all care about, yeah. I think, Malawi very much and where yeah. we have come from and want to contribute. I think just bite size, I think just asking ourselves, like, you know, what can I do, right? In my own capacity yeah. and kind of starting there, right? And I think that adds on to the other thing. 
it's, I think for me as a therapist, even as a mother, I have to recognize that I have a certain power, like I have a certain power over my children, right? And I can use it against them or I can use it and, and, and understand how I have this position where I can help them. And I have a certain power that my clients give me, right? Because I have this expertise. Does that make sense? And so I have, again, I can use it against them or I, I, or I can recognize that. So I think somebody brought up something like, you know, we are all in this situation because maybe we are more educated. We have a certain financial ability than other, most people in Malawi and things like that. So we have this ability and power that when we speak, maybe people will listen, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to find a way, like, you know, Dr. Nyaka, the fact that he's a doctor, people tend to listen more, you know, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. So I think recognizing in our own little world, we may not feel powerful, but when we're placed in Malawi, we may have a certain level of power that people naturally give us because of whether it's education or you have traveled at places and things like that. I think recognizing that we can contribute in our own way, that we have a certain level of of power and strength and that we can do our part. So I think those two things, having hope, right, and just playing our little part, I think it goes back to what you, Alex, said. We may not see the major difference today, right? Yeah, but yeah. Those little things, it's like a domino effect, right? It's yeah. like the ripple in, in, in the water. You send out that ripple, right? And, you know, whether it's our child, our children do it better than next generation. I think we just all have to start somewhere, right? Somewhere. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's a really brilliant ending to, to the conversation. So thank you very much to you too, uh, Pamela and Dalit. So we had that. Uh, Brenda, uh, Chase, uh, Linda, Amos, and, and Michael. Really interesting discussion, bringing out the issues, giving us the context in the um, uh, Malawi and uh, Swaziland uh, environment, essentially developing uh, uh, world environment and the differences and the gaps that exist. So we'll end the uh, broadcast now. And thank you very much for, for contributing. And I'm sure we'll uh, catch up with you soon In the, uh, if anything else comes up with the people seeking clarification on any of the, on any of the points that, uh, you know, we've discussed, you know, that would uh, uh, have been a good contribution on our part to kick off the conversations and, uh, you know, let uh, things start on from there. So thank you very much and uh, uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Well, thank, thank you for the solution. Bye. 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 Bye.